Welcome to Season 3 of This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley, a podcast about the Bay Area, technology, and culture. I'm your host, Sunil Rajaraman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Yasha Kekiswold. Do you remember way back in the beginning of Season 3, Sunil? That was like, uh, it was almost three and a half years ago now. We had Jessica on once. Do you remember that one? Your memory is fading you because <laughs> I don't know what's going on with you during COVID. Jessica was actually one of our first uh, ever podcast guests. That was way back three years ago, Sunil. Three years. That was a long time ago. And the fact that you don't uh, remember is just an illustration of, of sort of the times that we're living in. But Jessica Alter is the founder and CEO of uh, Tech for Campaigns. Uh, Tech for Campaigns is an organization that helps um, basically turn red states blue at the state level. And so uh, she doesn't work on races that you, you know, often think about, like the, the hot Senate races or right now, of course, the presidential race. But Tech for Campaigns works on the state levels because that's where the highest ROI is ultimately to turn red states blue. I thought it was a super fascinating conversation that we had three years after the first conversation, because we're well past the heels of her creating this organization and we're kind of deeply entrenched in what's now a very complicated national election and an even more complicated state election with post office issues and and and, and. Um, So I did remember when we talked to her first, I just keep nagging on the two of us that we've got at some point switch over to season four, but season three still is here. And this is a really great conversation today, a really important conversation today as well. Yeah, uh, you'll you'll enjoy today's episode. So much has changed in, in three years. And, you know, it is it is a fairly serious discussion. So the fact that I didn't pick up on, on Yasha's joke is perhaps demonstrative of that. I mean, it's COVID and the smoke in the Bay Area. It's just the way that it is. Enjoy this episode. Jessica, welcome back. We appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. You're uh, you're kind of busy right now, it's been right? A long three years. <laughs> I just can't believe it's been three years, right? It feels like it's been yeah. about a decade. You're super busy right now. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about that. We both want to talk about that. that. Um, but we really appreciate you taking time with us because we know how busy you are. Because we know how busy the organization you're working with is. Where where are you spending your time and your energy right now? in like personally, but I I suppose that's probably very intertwined with the organization that you're responsible for. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm running tech for campaigns, which is the lasting tech and digital arm for the Democrats. We can get into why that's needed. Um, we have, um, work going on in 20 States. So I'm spending time everywhere. (laughs) Um, obviously my home base is um, my, uh, office chair, uh, at my desk in my apartment, like a lot of people, but, um, we're spending time, you know, across the country, but, um, most of our time and effort goes into purple and pink States. So we're not spending time figuring out what's going to happen in California right now. We're really spending time in, you know, red and purple States. So I have a question for you. You said 20 States is where you're spending time right now. Is that right? We have, um, so we have a, a tech um, tools that campaigns and states can use. Mm-hmm. And we have talent, which is both part, partially our awesome full-time team, but we have 
um, now close to 14,000 volunteers. So we deploy volunteers into nine or 10 states, but there's another 10 just using our technology. Got it. I appreciate that framing. I, I'm really curious. So red and purple states, all of them matter, at least if, if you're a Democrat. Why, why nine, 10 states, as opposed to just the three that are the most hotly contested for this particular election? Why go that broad? Well, I mean, in essence, I mean, I believe in a 50 state strategy, but um, you're being very presidential centric, I think, right now in, in mm. saying which states matter. Um, we actually think um, and have for our, since the start of the organization, not just about presidential. In fact, um, the bulk of our work is at the state legislative level because that is just easily far none the highest ROI you can get um, in terms of time, money, any sort of um, way you cut it. And so there are a lot of state legislatures that need help. Um, during the Obama years, so from 2009 to 2017, the Democrats lost a thousand seats at the state level. So we've only gained back a third of them. And the reason it matters is is many fold, but um, long story short, like every major issue, like what's an issue you guys care about right now? Yeah, so I know, you want to do that? Or I was trying to avoid, I was trying to avoid like, over you because that, I, I was trying to make it the first time in history. Okay, here's uh, here's one that I care about. I care about, um, well, right now, education is top of mind. Yeah, well, all the education decisions are being made at the state and local level. Um, Yasha, do you have one? Yeah, I'm really concerned that both at the state level and the federal level, we actually just don't care about how our environment is going to be protected past, well, not even. I just don't think we care. I'm really, really concerned yeah. about it. Yeah, and so, I mean, I think you're seeing at the state level, they're sort of taking taking matters into their own hands. You know, a hot topic right now is obviously voting rights. That's 100% controlled at the state level. Like whether or not and how you can vote by mail, those are state legislative decisions. Maybe it goes to the state Supreme Court, but like those are these are state level decisions. Um, the campaigns don't get the same attention that the presidential or even like Lindsey Graham gets or Mitch mm -hmm. McConnell. But um, honestly, they're probably far more consequential to people's lives. And um, the Republicans uh, very intentionally and in a like nod to them. Um, strategically took the states over because they knew they could control all those issues that you care about. Plus they can control federal redistricting, which will happen at the end of 2020. Right. So this is not like an accident that, that, you know, we lost a thousand seats. It was a very intentional strategy, um, largely driven by ROI. Right. And um, that's at the end of the day, the Republicans are just much better at thinking long-term and thinking about ROI. And so as an organization, we really focus on state legislatures um, because they control the issues, they control redistricting. Even, I'll give you an example, like people say, oh, why do I care about what's going on in Wisconsin? And, um, you know, Trump won Wisconsin by 23,000 votes. And 
that's not that many votes at, at the at the presidential level. Um, and so people say, oh, okay, well, like it's because Hillary wasn't there and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, we'll never know exactly. But what I can tell you is that the state legislature in Wisconsin passed very stringent voter ID laws before the 2016 election. And the estimates are that it prevented about 300,000 eligible people from voting. Right. Here, so, here's a, a really it pointed is affecting the presidential outcomes. Even if you decide, I don't care about any of those issues. I only care about who's president. Well, then you should care about the states because it's, it's affecting them. And the yeah. Republicans are paying a ton of attention to it. Jessica, why, you know, you've been doing this now for four, almost four years, right? You, you found it for campaigns. Why, why are the Democrats so bad at the way they organize campaigns? Yeah, um, I have asked this to so many like longtime Democratic um, politicos. And the best answer I ever got, and the one I always use, is from Joe Lockhart, who is Clinton's press secretary and is a CNN analyst right now. And it's very succinct, which is the Democrats run things like a cause, and the Republicans run things like a business. And that's, that's good. Uh, that's good framing. Yeah. That's um, good. That is, and it's nothing, it's, it's when you think about tech in politics, but it's everything. And so that's what I was saying. Like, they're like, where can we get the best bang for our buck and get the best ROI? So, so this, and this all, this, this, this makes sense when you explain it. And when you have the benefit of, of sort of a podcast to, you know, to kind of elaborate on it and. Obviously, you know, we've had you as a guest before and in this intro, we introduced, you know, in the inter introduction for this, we introduced Cut Tech for Campaigns. But to someone like me and, uh, you know, Jessica, I've known you for a long time. And, you know, to some extent, you know, while you've worked on Tech for Campaigns extensively, you know, for someone who's not as politically astute as me, the framing at the state and the national level, do you find that the average voter still needs the problem framed that way? So. Yeah. You know, when I was watching your, you know, like when you said, I think I heard you once say, you know, the next Lindsey Graham is being developed at the state level. That yeah. resonates more. And so I'm just trying to understand, like, you know, how do you get like the average person that I consider myself very average in political knowledge <laughs> to kind of make that leap, right, to to understand the states? And is that and is it working? Um, it really depends on the person. I have like sort of a framework that I use usually about donors, but um, it's working, but it'll, it's not um, working like to counteract caring about, you know, the presidency because there's so much pain right now that um, honestly, a lot of it is from Trump, but a lot of it is not from Trump, but it is blamed on him, which you know, I'm not going to try to come back because I don't think that's a good use of my time. But, um, you know, I think he gets so he sucks all the air out of the room. He gets so much attention. It's it's almost impossible to battle that. But when you get people in a group or, you know, we're doing an event for several hundred people or you tell your story on a podcast. Yeah, people um, do care about that. I do find that, like, especially surprising in the tech community is that you have this, and I'm generalizing, of course, you have this group of people that like in their daily lives, they tend to look at things like ROI and they're very analytical and even like the team and how good the team is. 
And um, they don't look at that when they give to politics at all. Because if they did, they would give differently. Like they're not looking so, uh, at, like for every dollar you guys gave or anyone listening to this podcast gave in 2018, only three to five cents went to digital. Three to five cents. Your company is spending 54 cents on the dollar on digital. So like, it's really off kilter. It's not like a little bit bad. It's like really bad. And they just don't make decisions the same way in politics is what we find. So a couple of follow on questions related to that. So let's, let's just say you were trying to shock our audience um, with some, with a stat or a policy or a person, you know, in the state that you're terrified of, and you don't have to name a name if you don't want to, but can you, you know, outside of uh, redistricting, which you, you know, you talk about a lot, is there something that's happening at the state level that our audience would just be appalled by that you would point to as like your best marketing material almost for a tech for campaigns? Um, I mean, I think there's one part of it that's caring about the states. I mean, I already gave a lot of stats about like the states and why they matter. Um, you know, like Wisconsin is a great, a great, great example. Um, but the other is, you know, we're just so behind on tech and digital as a, as a democratic party, we are way behind the Republicans and everyone seems shocked by that, but it's true. Um, so I'll give you two stories about that. One is, um, it's better if you have the, the visual, but, um, one of the states that we're in, we, we were sent a picture of their, um, digital training. And it's literally like the back of a couple people's heads because the person's in the back of the room and a slide that says website colon have one. And that was their digital. Yeah. Channel. Yeah, that's not good. Um, so that's one. And the other is, um, you know, aside from the fact that like very few, like three cents of your of your donation dollars are going to tech and digital. Um, I'll just give you a story of someone in Florida. His name is Ricky Hunjara. Um, he's an awesome candidate. He's running right outside Miami in a very purple district. And purple, for anyone who doesn't know, is you know the combination of red and blue. So it's a it's a toss up district, which is basically we only work in toss up districts. Um, anyway, um, his district is like twenty nine percent unemployment right now. It's still a toss up. Um, it's twenty. It's about 75% um, Latinx. Um, and if we were running his um, email program, his digital ads program and his um, texting program. And um, we don't charge him, like it's volunteer led. Uh, we have a state director that's full-time that sits over every state, but we're not charging him. Um, and basically he told us if he had to pay a consultant, which is who usually um, would do this work for a state ledge campaign, he wouldn't run any digital. He wouldn't be doing it because the extra money that he has to pay the consultant, let's call it $40,000 is cost prohibitive. And he would just, and I'm, and I'm quoting, he would just put it into mail, meaning the mail that you get in your mailbox. So it's just so like what's people that would not literally not do this otherwise not get help. I'm I'm really kind of struck by a couple of things. Um, just again, as the the average political observer, right? What I what I read in the news, it's a perception thing, right? And so I think 
you know, you know, I, we remember having you on three years ago and you talked a little bit about the digital uh, sort of divide. Um, and there's this perception that I think, and I could be wrong, Yasha, maybe you're slightly above average, but that the Democratic Party does is more digitally savvy in some ways. Right. Like it's almost yeah, like a that is a perception. You know, and so Just, it's, it's a why myth. is that? Why is that? Like what what's going on there? Because it feels like, you know, you have, you know, you just kind of elaborate on that a bit. I think probably what most people listening to this right now are being like, how could that be? Like all the donors in tech are are Democrats. And also, and this is sort of like the next thing that people always say, like, wait, but wasn't Obama good at tech? And <laughs> so the answer to the latter is yes, Obama was good at tech. But one of the key problems that um, the party has is that things that get built at the presidential level, um, actually at any level, are basically thrown away every two years. So the way to think about it is basically you're investing in something and they're building something. This is only really at the presidential level because that's kind of the only place things get built. Um, and then like every two years or every four years, I guess, they, they fire everyone and start over and ask you for money again. That's how it works. So nothing that they built lasted, nothing that they built for Obama got shared with anyone else. I mean, it didn't go to Cory Booker, let alone, like I like to say, it didn't go to Joe Kennedy, let alone Joe Schmo. Like no one else got it. That it seems, really that seems like crazy. The opposite of why you build technology kind of, right? It's like build it once, share it with everyone. It's like, nope, we're just gonna do it one time here. That Even seems- like, We are showing one of our products to, I won't name states, but one of the state parties. And, and they literally said to us, oh, we try to build this every two years. I can't, I honestly can't believe that. That is just shocking. We, are you? People are shocked, but trust me, I wouldn't be spending 14 hours a day on it if it weren't. The so case. Are, are you building up an infrastructure that's able to be redeployed for local campaigns in addition to volunteers? Is that what's happening? Yeah, yeah. So we have an engineering, we have a full-time product and engineering team and we have three products live now and, even that, like even just sharing the products between states, uh -huh. is, like putting us ahead. Like the fact that what we're doing in Florida is also being shared with Texas. Yeah. Is, like it's simply not done. So I imagine this is probably all open source or ish, but if, if you were to line up for any, any person who's running for local state offices, local or state offices, uh, and you were to recommend to them, what are the three or four investments that they need to be making so that they can be in it for the long haul and they can be sure to win? How do you, what is that? What's that look like? What's the stack of technology? We kind of have a nerdy audience. Yeah, honestly, at first, the products are usually, um, they're at sort of at the state caucus and party level. We don't want them using a ton of new products, the campaigns. You have to remember these campaigns, like local campaigns have like no staff, no full-time staff. Ricky, as one example, the candidate I mentioned in Florida, he's working full time running and he has two staffers. That's it. That's their campaign. So if I give them an email team of three experts at email, you know, one works at Netflix, one works at Slack, one works at Blue Apron. I just one and a half times to team <laughs> with like experts he would never have access to. Right. So um, sometimes it's not just about technology. It's also about talent. Um, which is why we we do both. I think um, there's there's tools that that get used in politics that unfortunately we haven't yet replaced. 
Um, but I would, I mean, literally some of the stuff we want them to use is just off the shelf. Like please use MailChimp. Got it. Um, and then we have a product or two that, and we're having them use one called Polaris, which helps them do um, a much more 21st century fundraising model um, so that they don't have to like spend 80% of their time researching people and calling, et cetera. So we, developing your email list and phone number is honestly number one. And it sounds, I know this stuff sounds basic, but it's actually not being done. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, back in 2017, when people were talking about Cambridge Analytica, people were like, oh yeah, we need to build Cambridge Analytica for the Democrats. And I'm like, I can't get people to take out Facebook ads. So I, that's not where we are. Um, number one, um, number two, Cambridge Analytica didn't work, but that's maybe for a separate podcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're just, we're pretty far behind. I think, um, several years ago, tech for campaigns started ringing the alarm bells about being behind. And I think in the last few years, there's been a lot more stories about it. Yeah. Um, partially because of us and partially because others are ringing the alarm bells as well. But most of it centers around what's happening, you know, at the presidential level. And what I usually say to people is, well, you would you can't actually think that it gets more sophisticated as you go down ballot. You know, it's just exponentially fewer resources and attention paid. So it's even fewer, um, even less sophisticated than, you know, right. you're seeing at the presidential level. And I think people have been sort of underwhelmed at the presidential level stuff. So. Yeah. So do you, do you go after it in two different directions, Jessica? Do you, do you like, obviously tech for campaigns is going out to states and, uh, local campaigns and supporting them with people in tech. Are you going at the DNC also? Do you tell them like, get your act together and we have a, we have a way you can do it. Um, you know what, like the, the honest truth is that the DNC isn't trying to do what we do. Why not? Um, I, I think, I mean, you'd, you'd have to ask them you know, <laughs> for sure. But um, I don't think they feel like that's their mandate. Um, they're trying to do some stuff with data. And I think that's been hard enough. Um, and that's really it. But in, in an important thing about this is like the DNC is... In a presidential year, the DNC focuses on presidential. They don't help down ballot raise. That's not their thing. That's not their mandate. Um, and, you know, one of the big reasons and, and the hole that we're working to fill in, is that, and sorry, one of the big reasons and the hole we're working to fill that you don't see technology, you know, like whatever Obama built or whatever Elizabeth Warren built, like really going anywhere is like, where should it go? There's no organization whose main job is tech and digital. Yeah. That's not the DNC's main job. The DNC's main job is fundraising. Just like Google's main job is ads. You know, everybody so, has- a- uh, So, So they 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 like what you're doing. I mean, do you find that they're supportive, not supportive, neutral? Like you know, because like what? Yeah, just your take. Um, I mean, I don't know. It depends what you mean by supportive. I mean, they're not actively working against us. They're not helping us um, in any major way. But we don't. We have a we have a friendly relationship. But they're not like giving us money and fundraising for us, but 
you know, they're not actively working against us. On the flip side, like one of the things I had to learn in, about politics and I don't, for people listening, like I literally wasn't involved in one iota of politics pre-2017. So this is all new for me, but all the digital and tech stuff in politics is run by consultants. All the media is so, um, but I would say there are, are actively, there are active consultants that don't like us because I think we're pointing out that this hasn't been going well. And, and that's not our goal. Our goal is obviously to get campaigns help, but as part of that narrative, we do point out that it hasn't been going well. And um, I think that is somewhat threatening. So um, there's, there is a lot of, there is a little bit of hate coming from there, but the DNC were totally friendly. So uh, I am actually curious about this, you know, consultant question since you sort of introduced this. What is there a loyalty with the digital consultants, meaning, you know, the people that are working for the Republican side of the House? Are they are they poachable? Like, will they will they flip uh, sides? Are they mercenaries? Um, no, there there is loyalty um, because you have like a book. It's not like you work for one person. So um, it would be it, it would be the exception to switch sides in that way. There is loyalty and like part of the um, problem is like you kind of like go with and I, I sort of mean this literally your guy and like your guy for TV has his male guy and then they maybe have a digital person. But first of all, that's the order. So digital is tertiary. Um, and second of all, like you it's it's the most like cronyistic industry I've ever been a part of. It's much more about who you know than anything else. Yeah, that's disappointing. I guess it kind of makes so, sense. Like if you're if you're a you know I'm just making this up because I don't know anyone on his team. So hopefully they're not offended. Although if they are, it's fine too. Um, <laughs> you know if you're a Chuck Schumer, you're not switching your TV firm. You've had the same TV firm for like. 20 years that's your people you're taking their advice they're probably now telling you they do digital too um and there's just a lot of battling that um which is another reason like we've been successful is because we didn't try to change things top down we sort of went middle up that makes sense hey this is maybe uh, a flyer of a question and it's going to expose the uh, novice view that I have into some of the bigger political issues that at least we hear about in the news right now. What the heck is going on at the post office? Is that entirely federal? Is there anything that we can do about it at the state level? Like, do you, does your team, do your teams think about this at all right now? Yeah. Um, so one of our full-time teams is actually has a very big um, vote by mail initiative, which is, this is actually the first time I've talked about it publicly. But um, we have a we have a very big vote by mail initiative that is helping to um, both register people to vote by mail and also, um, you know, ha sorry, register people to vote by mail and also get them to actually vote. Um, you know, it's, it's not enough to just get them registered. So we are thinking about this a ton. Um, and that team in particular um, is focused on it on the USPS side in terms of like delaying um, mail and all of that, that part is federal. Um, although like a lot of the state AGs sued and I actually just saw a headline before we um, joined each other that um, the post office is saying that because they've been sued by so many states, um, which I would have to imagine are the democratic AGs, um, you know, they're 
reversing course. I haven't read the article yet, so I can't say for sure, but, um, or at least pausing, pausing for a little bit, but I mean, it's, it's the most overt kind of voter suppression I've really ever seen. Um, you know, I was, I think a few weeks ago, um, Trump was sort of like talking about slowing down the mail, but nothing, not doing this stuff. And I tweeted, like, you really have to reimagine how low they'll go. And I think that is part of the problem is that we're not evil enough. And we don't, so we're not like imaginative enough about how bad like it could get. Um, I think the, you know, the quote unquote workaround with the post office is that people are going to have to um, basically get their absentee ballots and drop them off in person. Yeah, this is ridiculous. I mean, even, you know, yeah, even the average political observer is watching what's going on with absolute horror. And then uh, the latest today that we're that we're kind of kind of seeing uh, Tuesday, the 18th is when we're recording this. Um, you know, he, he floated today something about having to potentially do a redo of, of the election based on, you know, mail in fraud that you know, there's no evidence that it's happening and no evidence that it will occur, which is just to me, like the, the sum of all fears, um, where, where that could go and where that could lead America. If that, yeah. You know. I mean, um, the, the terrible thought is, you know, it's like, we might not hold fair elections and we're having rolling blackouts. I'm like waiting for the UK to send in aid basically, you know, it's, it's pretty third worldy. <laughs> Yeah, it's very dark. Well, let's hope it not goes there. Uh, let's hope it does not go there, uh, rather. I mean, I think um, the, so, sorry, I was just going to say, I, I think the, like, silver lining, um, you know, for a tech audience is that, like, even though we're very far behind, there is a lot you can do and a couple behaviors you can change, which is, like, you know, first of all, obviously anyone could volunteer at Tech for Campaigns and join a community. It's, like, 14,000 people now. Um you know, whether you're an email marketer, or digital ads person, uh, uh, a data scientist, uh, an engineer, um, but also just, you know, when you're talking to a campaign before you give, um, you know, ask what percentage are you spending on digital? If they don't know, it's probably low. Right? Like, yeah, that's, you, you know, you know yeah, what yeah. your big expenses are. <laughs> so, yeah. There's just things like that. Like, just think about like, where are my dollars going to make the biggest difference rather than, mm, I like that one line that one person said on that one TV show. Leave us with, uh, and then uh, Yasha is going to um, close out with our, with our standard question. And it'll be interesting to reflect three years later on, on your answer to this. But um, my, my last question is just kind of comment, leave us with a ray of hope. Like, what are you seeing right now? Like, I know that you know, Texas, there's some promise to, to flip the state. I know you're working on a bunch of seats there. Uh, but is there is there anything that you're optimistic about? Or Working on 24 seats there, actually. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if I wasn't somewhat optimistic, I wouldn't do this. Um, you know, like, I think um, especially state legislative races are won and lost by, like, between one and a couple hundred votes. And so like, you can make a huge difference. Your dollars can make a huge difference. Your effort could make a huge difference. And like, those are the things that 
where you, I think you feel a lot more energized because you know that your impact is really meaningful. Um, and there's a bunch of states like that are flippable, if not this year, then, you know, in the next two cycles, um, including Michigan, Texas, Pennsylvania. Um, I think as a ray of hope, look at Virginia, which um, the, both the Senate and the House in Virginia flipped blue in 2019. And in the first 100 days of the House and Senate flipping, they passed gun safety laws. They literally couldn't get up it up for a vote before, but they passed laws in the first you know 100 days. They um, restored voting rights and like made much made voting like same day and um, stopped the like very strict voter ID laws. They ratified the Equal Rights Amendment. I mean, this is in like a hundred days of flipping a state legislature. Um, they expanded health care. So like the impact that flipping a state house or state senate or both have on millions of people is is pretty immense. I mean, sometimes people ask me, you know, what is the when have you felt like the most overwhelmed? And that that is actually when I felt the most overwhelmed when I realized, oh my God, like the number of people that are going to be affected by this is is actually overwhelming. And, you know, not to mention, obviously, they'll they'll control the redistricting process at the federal level. But like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people had Medicaid expansion, like the Equal Rights Amendment getting ratified. Those are really, really big things. I appreciate this. Hey, I, I hope that four years from now when we have a chance to do some podcasts, maybe it's season nine for us, that the kind of situation globally and in our country and even in our state is a little bit less stressful. That's what I'm hoping for. In the near term, while we generally end on asking for our guests to recommend someone they'd follow on social media, I'd love to just ask you to give a couple of recommendations to our listeners of who they need to be paying attention to. This could be somebody on the news, it could be somebody on Twitter uh, that's going to keep them informed about what's actually happening on the ground in the states that matter. Yeah, so the person I like, people are like, is this happening? Is this happening? Is this happening? The person that I go to, um, his name is Dave Wasterman, but his Twitter handle is at redistrict. Um, and he's just like, just by far and away, I just sort of like blindly trust everything he says, <laughs> um, which might be a, a a slight overstatement, but um, he he just he knows what's going on, um, and I think he's he's um, super knowledgeable, super analytical. So he's one that I I really love. And then just to to get a break, um, if you aren't following Room Raider, I'm sure you guys know Room Raider, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, um, that that just sort of brings me daily joy. So those two are my top two recommendations. I love it. Hey, um, always insightful and always an important conversation with you. So thank you for spending more time with us. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you guys. And you know, my biggest thing for your audience is like get involved and, and be analytical about how you're spending time and money. So Yasha, uh, I was thinking, um, when are you running for office? 2021 maybe. I don't know. Like, I honestly, I would like to. We've had a couple of conversations that are about politics. Uh, one that was about a kind of local politician and one about the importance of local politics. And 
I kind of want to do it, Sunil. I'm just worried that like at some point in time, some background check that I don't even know exists is going to show up with some weird stuff in my background that's going to make me ineligible or like a pariah in my community. So that's, that's just the, it's the personal anxiety around background checks that is going to stop know. me from running. Yeah, the, and plus the, the, the memory is, uh, is fading. As it's true. I mean, the, the older that I get, the more things I choose to forget. But you know, going back to tech for campaigns, obviously they're doing extremely important work. A lot, a lot has changed here, and you know, of course, volunteering for tech for campaigns or supporting these state-level elections is really, really crucial. And it feels like uh, it could be one of the most impactful things, to the extent that you want to get you know politically active, that you could be doing right now. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And we have a strong listenership here in the San Francisco Bay Area, there clearly is a need for the kind of talents that exist in this area in Tech for Campaigns. So I'm gonna go ahead and put one more plug out for it. It's techforcampaigns.org. Go there, sign up to vol as a volunteer, donate if you can afford to donate. Let's figure out how this organization can support turning more states blue. Thanks for listening to This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as Sunil and I enjoyed recording it, please go back to the application you found this podcast on, rank us five stars, leave us a comment. We read every single one. Thanks for listening to This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley.